0: Your scripture today comes from Ephesians chapter 1, um, verses 3 through 14, and it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. might be for the praise of his glory, and you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked with you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Amen.
1: Before I uh, give the message, just want to say on behalf of my wife, uh, thank you for your prayers uh, for her, for us and our family with the passing of her her grandmother. And, uh, you know, this is one of those, um, and I I think we had this conversation on the way home, was this is one of those appointments that I am grateful that when I'm gone, everything keeps going here. Uh, that's my pet peeve. I, I don't like to have to cancel services. It's hard enough to get people to come anyway. Um, and so I thank uh, folks for stepping in and doing uh, preaching and Bible study and everything else. So thank you for that. Uh, we continue our um, theme, if you will, on the cross. Now, I don't know about you, but um, even as long as I've been coming to church, You know, it's weird how much sometimes we talk about blood and just think about today. How many times have you heard the word blood? We've sang about it. We've read about it. Now we sing about it because we're not the ones having to give it. Right. It sounds so sweet coming off our tongue because somebody else paid the price. And this morning, that's what we're talking about is really not just the theme of today. Redemption is the theme of the Bible. The whole entire Bible uh, yes you could say it's about love and it's about God and you know in church that's God is the answer to every question who did this God but really when you look at even from Genesis starting with the third chapter the idea of redemption has played a part and Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he. Um, He talks about something that, honestly, we overlook a lot. We complain. uh, We talk about how bad things are. But when you read the first chapter of Ephesians, you should walk away feeling like like you are just a millionaire because you are. Uh, look, Look at just the third verse. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. Well, right there, you've won the lottery, okay? Doesn't matter what car you drive, doesn't matter if you have a car, doesn't matter, honestly, it doesn't matter if you have a home or or you're homeless. This verse, these verses tell us that we have, by God's grace... We couldn't have it any better. And yet so many times we don't live like we believe that. It says that he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. I mean, when you think about all in this chapter, what God has done, it's it's really kind of sad when you look at what we focus on in our life. Dealing with spiritual blessings, we don't often think of, of these blessings that Paul talks about that we have in Christ. Paul says in Christ, God has already blessed believers. You know, when we often pray, Lord, bless us. And maybe God's looking down, going, read Ephesians 1. I've blessed you. I've blessed you more than than you could imagine. We live in the physical realm with our problems, our needs, our struggles, our sins. But whatever happens in the physical realm uh, often uh, originates in the spiritual. Although conflict is visible fruit, its root is spiritual In nature, Paul says God has already done everything He is ever going to do for believers. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In other words, He didn't miss one of them, every. And as Paul will soon say, believers are seated with Jesus in chapter 2, verse 6. You ever been on a uh, Zoom call? You know, those are fun um if they if they even work right uh but when you think about it when we are seated with jesus even now it's like a teleconference and on a zoom call you're in two places at once seated physically in one place but operating in another see physically we are on this cursed earth with its problems with its struggles but we are also operating in the spiritual we are blessed. Believers are present in two places at the same time. We're physically located on earth, but we're operating from heavenly places, or we we should be. So this first spiritual blessing that, that we can praise God for is being blameless, being holy. Jesus made it possible for you and I to be above reproach. The word blameless literally i mean it means that you are justified now you say what does that mean it's just as if you've never sinned when god looks at you in christ that's the key there he sees jesus he doesn't even see me thank god he doesn't see your sin does this mean the devil can still accuse you yes but it but it's going to hold no weight right We are above reproach. He says we are protected. Okay. Uh, The devil can't come in and and take you away from God. Jesus already said, uh, no one can pluck you out of my hand. You don't have to feel guilt and shame. Now, let me just remind you, feeling conviction is healthy. That's from the Holy Spirit. Okay. So if, if you're you know if in your mind and and in your' thinking thoughts you shouldn't or you do something you shouldn't and you feel that conviction of the Holy Spirit saying eh, you you need to work on that we need to have a talk that's healthy that means your heart is sensitive it means it's it's not hardened and so God in Christ because of redemption because of the cross, we are blameless and then our second spiritual blessing and this is where I know salvationists get uh, nervous, is we are predestined to be adopted. Now, let me just say something, okay? I think the best understanding of this is that God knew you were going to be saved before you knew you were going to be saved. Now, we can get into, well, you know, predestination means that God has already decided. That's not true. The scriptures say God is patient and wants all people to be saved Jesus died for all why would Jesus die for all if God already pick and choose who would be saved that doesn't even make sense that that's that that just it doesn't doesn't wash but to be predestined means that God had a plan God had a plan and it started in fact it didn't start in Genesis it says before the foundation of the world jesus was going to come and redeem us in other words what what we're reading here is that this is not a surprise god did not just wake up one morning and say you know i'm gonna you know he didn't look over at jesus and say you know i've been thinking about something you're probably not going to like this too much but i want you to go down to earth and die for everybody oh and by the way most of those people aren't going to accept you anyway no this was not an afterthought this was planned This was pre-planned, okay? And when we say that that we were predestined, it's saying that in God's mind, He already knew. Now, if that bothers you, that's good, because in your mind and in my mind, I'm not God. So I don't understand. How How can you predestine anything? I love when people say, you know what the problem with people are? We're just reactive. We're not proactive enough. You know why we're not proactive enough? Because we don't know the future. We are reactive because that's how we operate. When something happens, we react because we can't be but so pro- proactive because we don't know what's going to happen. Three years ago this week, COVID came. Were you, Did you have a plan? I sure didn't. No, because we are not able to predestine anything, but God is. So we were not an accident. This plan of salvation, this plan of redemption is not something that he just scribbled on a piece of paper and said, hey, turn this in and see if this will work. This also implies that God has a predetermined purpose and plan. And that plan, by the way, for all people, they don't all accept it. We understand that. The Bible tells us that God does not want anyone to perish, but that all would come to repentance. So if he says that, then I don't think he picks and chooses who's going to be saved, but he does know who's going to be before they do, before you do. God has has a plan, and verse 10 says that it was for the right time. See, God does everything perfectly. The right time. Jesus came to earth as a baby at the very time God wanted him to come as a baby and he will come again at the very time you you know when we read and we kind of scratch our head when we read where Jesus says I am coming soon and we get fixated on that word soon and we go man soon to me is 10 minutes or an hour what that really is saying is that when it when the appointed time comes he's coming Nobody's going to be able to stop that, right? So it's important to know that uh, our focus this morning on verse 7, in whom we have redemption through His blood, there's that word again, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. So the other blessing that we get, and really the whole uh, theme throughout Scripture, is redemption. God has redeemed us. Now what does that even mean? We don't use words like that anymore. We don't, you know, we don't go say tomorrow I'm going to go, you know, redeem someone. But the word redemption means to deliver. It's it's to rescue someone. You know all those uh, TV shows or movies where somebody gets kidnapped and what do they say? They're being held for ransom. You got to pay a price. If you want this person or if you want this thing back, there's a price to be paid. And so that's what Paul is saying in Ephesians is we can rejoice today in knowing that we have been redeemed. In Barclay's Daily Study Bible, he puts it this way, for it is in him, meaning God, that we have a deliverance which cost his life. In him we have received the forgiveness of sins, which only the grace of his love could give. There's that other word again, grace. We, this is not of ourselves. First Corinthians 6, 20 says, for you have been bought with a price. In other words, you have been uh, ransomed. You've, you've, somebody delivered you. There was deliverance. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. See, you had to be purchased. Jesus said that we were slaves of sin. When when our first parents were in the Garden of Eden and they sinned, basically we were captured. Sin captured us. It's like being a prisoner of war. Spiritually, we were behind bars or or someone who had been kidnapped or a convicted criminal. And yet you can't help yourself. Even Paul said, you know, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. And then he says, who will, who will save me from this torment? And he says, thanks be to God, I have victory through Christ. Why did we need redemption? Some people don't believe they need saving. Some people, and I hate to say this, but they will strut into hell believing they never needed to be saved because they don't believe all this mess about sin and you know to some people that we're we're animals you know you should sleep with whoever you want as many times as you want do whatever you want because you're just an animal it's not gonna matter they're blind you see you see the truth is we're not we weren't just kidnapped by sin we're captivated by it it looks good I know I refer to Genesis a lot, Genesis 3, but there's so much in that chapter that, talk, that really explains how we are as people because what does it say? When they saw the fruit, it was captivating to their eyes. We were taken prisoner by the very thing that captivated us. We were bound. And yet Romans 3.23 tells us it's, it's happened to all of us. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And yet, because of this, because of God's love and God's grace, Jesus came on a rescue mission. I don't know how many of you grew up uh, watching uh, you know, Commando, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Rambo, uh, Missing in Action, Chuck Norris. You know, all those movies are meant to be, uh, you know, re- they, they are movies about redemption. You know, they kill people and blow things up, but they're redeeming something. Jesus came to redeem us, and to do that, he had to start a fight. And he did it with hell. He started a fight with Satan himself. And died. Now, his death for us was victory. Now, when I said, you know, there are people who, they don't believe any of what I'm saying. It's because they're blinded. You remember in John when Jesus heals the blind man, and I love what this man says. He doesn't even know who he is, but he says, this is all I can tell you. Once I was blind, but now I can see. This man did something. He saved him. You see, we were blinded by Satan. And until we see our sin for what it is, we will always be blinded by it. Paul tells us this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know why you can't really have a spiritual conversation with unsaved people? They have no idea what you're talking about. They're blinded. They can't see what you see. And it's by God's grace that you see it. It's not because you had the best Sunday school teacher or the best pastor or the best whatever or study Bible. It's because the Holy Spirit opened your eyes. You see, with redemption comes an opening of sight. We see things the rest of the world has no clue about, and that should make not make us brag. That should not make us boastful. It should make us humble, and it should also make our hearts break that they don't see it. You see, we, all we are, and I think, it, I, I can't remember who says this, but all salvation is, is one beggar telling another one where to find bread. You see, we understand as, as believers more than anyone what a slave really is the drudgery that life can bring, the heartache, uh, hopelessness, and yet at the same time, we can also give testimony of deliverance and redemption and adoption. Now, you know, there's many people that would say, I, I don't understand adoption. If you're a Christian, you, you absolutely understand adoption. Because God took you in. You know, in, in Paul's day, uh, if you were adopted, you had every rights, all the rights of a biological child. It didn't matter that you weren't blood. It didn't matter. Because, that, because uh, there was that document that stated, sealed, notice in verse 14 uh, that the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our salvation, that we are sealed, okay? Uh, there's a lot, you could do a whole sermon on that, I'm not, don't worry. Uh, but, but we are adopted. In other words, when, when, when Satan or anyone comes and says, you know what, you're not saved, the Holy Spirit says I am. The Holy Spirit has sealed, I am sealed, I I have a deposit guaranteeing uh, my salvation. In Paul's day, official documents were sealed in antiquity, implying protection, ownership. When you believe in Christ as your Savior, God puts you inside an envelope called Jesus. You are in Christ. You know that word, in Christ, is in the epistles more than anything else. Because what Paul is saying is everything you are to God is because of Christ. But the Holy Spirit is it's like an engagement ring. Okay? When you see someone with an engagement ring and you're of the opposite sex, you don't you don't go ask them on a date. You don't, you know, you you say, Hey, you belong to somebody. Hands off. That's what that really means. You know, the seal of the Holy Spirit is really God saying hands off to to Satan. He's saying this one is mine. The Holy Spirit is a down payment on an eternal commitment. The Spirit is a heavenly first installment given in anticipation of eternal life. It's a foretaste of what's ahead. You, you remember that phrase, foretaste of glory divine, when we sing Fanny Crosby's song? So when we are adopted, we are, we are given the rights of children. We are purchased, purchased as a child, and then and adopted into the family. Barclay goes on to say, in every case, the concept of redemption is the delivering of a man from a situation from which he was powerless to liberate himself or from a penalty which he himself could never pay. That's why we we talk about grace so much, is because without God's grace, we are doomed. You see, we are redeemed for a purpose. We are redeemed for a purpose. And that purpose is that God gives us a reason to live, a direction in life, a vision. The Bible says without a vision, the people perish. We have something worth living for. What's, what's the song that was written that says, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future and life is worth living. Because he lives. You know how many people today believe life is not worth living? They are hopeless. God has given us a hope. Purpose with a hope is the anchor of the soul. And that anchor is Christ. It's not our achievements, it's not our look at all the great things that we've done. Uh, we can understand and know, <coughs> excuse me, that God saved us, redeemed us, purchased us for a purpose. You see, in the kingdom of God, that's where we find our purpose. We find it in God's kingdom, in God's economy. When you think about what this season means as we move even closer to Good Friday and and Resurrection Sunday, you know, it's really amazing to me the, the, the conversations, or the conversation rather, that Jesus had with Pilate. I read not long ago that Pilate had to be the most tortured person on earth. Think about the things he asked Jesus. He asked Jesus, what is truth? Think about that. And what did Jesus tell his disciples? I am the truth. And there, Pilate, probably no man more blind, spiritually blind than Pilate. He was staring at Jesus and said, what is truth? And Jesus said to him, my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate was very much a part of the kingdom of this world. Power, abusive power, authority. Uh, you know, if you just did a, did a study on the trials that Jesus went through, all of them were wrong. Uh, all of the trials that Jesus went through, even them being at night, they were never supposed to put anyone on trial at night. All of this was done. But see, that's the kingdom of this world. When you say life ain't fair, you know what you're saying? I'm living in a different kingdom on this world. And Jesus always says, My kingdom's not of this world. God God does not hold you down by force, He, he, He invites you to come. He is a loving father. He adopts those who at one time cursed His name. You see, in the kingdom of God, you're either all in or you're all out. Can't ride the fence. And even God does not uh, tolerate indecision for very long. In Revelation, he says, be ye either hot or cold, or I will spew you out of my mouth. Don't sound like gentle Jesus, meek and mild, does it? In other words, Jesus would rather you be totally for him or totally against him, but don't act like you're for him and you're not. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be lukewarm. And by the way, Uh, Just to give you a little bit more understanding of that verse, he is not talking about spitting you out of his mouth. He's saying that your indecision makes him sick to his stomach to where he he wants to vomit. God wants us to choose his kingdom. Because when we choose his kingdom, we find God's will for us. We find God's plan for us. And his ultimate plan was to redeem us. Redemption is a great spiritual blessing. Not only did he pay a price that we could not pay, but he has given us a purpose in life. And when we embrace that vision that God's will, there is a strengthening of our spirit that we can't even overcome. God's message to us from Genesis literally to Revelation is you are bought with a price. You have been ransomed. There's no greater book in the Bible uh, really outside of Ruth that explains the kinsman-redeemer, someone who came, and because of what he purchased, uh, he had, in, in Ruth, Boaz came, and he became her kinsman-redeemer, a woman that really was destitute without anything, and this man shows up, and because of him, she has everything she needs. You see, that's, that's what Jesus is to us. We are destitute. We, we are worthless without him, and he redeems us. And when he redeems us, he also reminds us of our true value. You have value, not because of the title that you carry or the job that you have or what your last name is or isn't. It's got nothing to do with that. Your value, you are value. You have value. Because God created you. And that settles it. Doesn't matter what anyone else says. I know my wife says that she worries about the children and says that, but I'm going to tell you, all of us need to hear that. All of us need to hear that we have value. Um, you know, I love the, uh, and I'll, I'll use this as an illustration, uh, if you've ever seen the movie Toy Story 2, and I know I just took a really weird turn there, but there's this toy that uh, Woody thinks that he's not worth anything. And then it, it takes another toy named Jesse to show him that he has great value because he's a collector. He, he, he belongs to a fine group of toys. And so she says to him, Woody, didn't you know you're valuable? You know, many of us today, we, we've lost that concept. We think we're valuable if... We think we're valuable if we do this or if we accomplish that. And God says, no, you're valuable because of me. My value rests on God's grace, not on what I say or do or don't do. And friends, I want you to know that you were worth being redeemed. Think about it. If you weren't valuable, why would God redeem you? He redeemed you because you were worth dying for. Friends, don't ever forget that I don't care if you if you feel saved or some days you may just feel like you're not loved. and you No, never believe that. You can feel that way. We all feel that way sometimes, but it is not true. God in his word tells us you are valuable. Doesn't matter what your parents thought or think. Doesn't matter what the teacher thinks. Doesn't matter what I think. You are valuable. We're going to sing together the song that they played for the Offertory, song number 178 that says, "Jesus, keep me near the cross. There, a precious fountain, free to all, a healing stream, flows from Calvary's mountain." Maybe you need healing this morning, and I'm not talking about physical. Maybe you need emotional healing. You know, when we say He's the great physician, we automatically go to the physical. But I want you to know, friends, that God wants you to be whole. And I mean emotionally and spiritually. So this morning, there is still a healing stream flows from Calvary's mountain. If you're a trembling soul, if you're fearful, look at verse 2. Love and mercy found me. There the bright morning star shed its beams around me. What does Psalm 23 says? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. All the days of my life. So let's sing together on that first verse, and then we'll sing the third and fourth verse. And as we sing, please come and pray. Please uh, just know that you are valued more than you'll ever know. One of the first things, I don't even think you can put this in public school now, but the first thing I remember seeing in school, there was a little sign that said, I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk. You're somebody. Because God don't make no junk. Let's sing together on that first.